calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello everyone, I know that you're dying to get to the picture of Dorian Gray, but first, before we start all of that, uh, I just want to let you know about our sponsor for this mini-season. Hemlock Creek Productions is a post-production audio studio based in Chicago, Illinois. Founded by audio editor and sound designer Marissa Ewing, Hemlock Creek Productions is Marissa's response to a growing need for remote audio editing services. While based in the United States, Hemlock Creek Productions has worked with clients and vocal talents across multiple countries and languages. They've provided their expert editing services on a variety of projects, including podcasts, films, and video games. In addition to providing editing services, Hemlock Creek Productions also strives to work on projects that highlight diversity, both in the stories being told and the people that tell them. As a queer and black-owned business, they believe diversity is a strength and look forward to working on projects that reflect the same values. Hemlock Creek Productions will also be releasing its first original podcast, Liars and Leeches, in 2023. Follow the story of Tonya in this supernatural horror podcast as she grieves a sudden familiar loss. But soon her grief will bring someone, or something, into her life in ways she could never have anticipated. That's Liars and Leeches, available on all good podcast apps in 2023. But to learn more about Hemlock Creek Productions, please visit hemlockcreekprod.com or follow them on social media on Twitter and Instagram at hemcreekprod. So there we go. And now it is time for Dorian Gray. Shadows at the Door is a podcast designed to scare and delight you. We are at times explicit and produced for an adult audience. To see if this episode is for you, consult our show notes for a list of content warnings.
Previously on The Picture of Dorian Gray. Victor, answer me, or I What? Surely my wish has not been fulfilled. Such things are impossible, and... and yet... Prince Charming, my wonderful lover, my god of graces. Well, you better be so wonderful. If he arms you in any way, I shall kill him. In the present case, what is it that has really happened? Someone has killed herself for love of you. You went to the A-Club before Sybil Vane has even the quiet of a grave to sleep in. You talk as if you had no heart, no pity in you. It's all Harry's influence, I see that. I should have to see your soul. To see my soul? <sighs> yes. believe it's my picture. Oh, it is. If it is true, and this is what you've done with your life, why, you must be worse even than those who talk against you say. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <sighs> and now, the finale. Alan, I thank you for coming. Very kind. I had intended never to enter your house again, Grey. But your telegram said it was a matter of life and death. Speaking of which, you look like you've seen a ghost. I wish it were that simple. Yes, it is a matter of life and death, Alan. And to more than one person. Sit down. <sighs> Very well. Well? Alan? In a locked room at the top of this house, a room to which nobody but myself has access, a dead man is lying on the floor. He has been dead ten hours now. What? Don't stir, and don't look at me like that. Who the man is, why he died, how he died, are matters that do not concern you. What you have to do is this. I Stop, need you Gray. I don't want to hear anything further. Whether what you've told me is true or not doesn't concern me. I entirely decline to be mixed up in your life. Keep your horrible secrets to yourself. They don't concern me anymore. Alan, this one will have to interest you. I am forced to bring you into the matter. I have no option. Alan, you are scientific. You know about chemistry and things of that kind. What you have got to do is to destroy the thing that is upstairs, to destroy it so that not a vestige of it will be left. Nobody saw this person come into the house. Indeed, at the present moment, he's supposed to be in Paris. He will not be missed for months. When he is missed, there must be no trace of him found here. You, Alan, you must change him and everything that belongs to him into a handful of ashes that I may scatter in the air. You are mad, Dorian. <laughs> I was waiting for you to call me Dorian. You are mad. Mad to imagine that I would raise a finger to help you. Mad to make this monstrous confession. I will have nothing to do with this matter, whatever it is. Do you think that I'm going to peril my reputation for you? What is it to me what devil's work you're up to? Do you refuse? Of course I refuse. 
I will have absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't care what shame comes to you. You deserve it all. I should not be sorry to see you publicly disgraced. How dare you ask me, of all men in the world, to mix myself up in this horror? Nothing will induce me to stir a step to help you. You have come to the wrong man. Go to some of your friends. Don't come to me. We were friends once, Alan. Don't speak about those days, Dorian. They are dead. Alan, I entreat you. Think of the position I am in. The body upstairs will not go away, and it is the only piece of evidence against me. If it is discovered, I am lost. And it is sure to be discovered unless you help me. Alan, if you don't come to my assistance, I am ruined. Why, why they will hang me, Alan. Don't you understand? They will hang me for what I have done. Good God, Dorian, is this what you have come to? Yes, without my stirring in the matter, you are certain to be arrested. <sighs> there is no good in prolonging this scene. I absolutely refuse to do anything in the matter. It is insane of you to ask me. Alan, I have told you too much as it is. I beg of you to do this. No, Dorian. Wait! Wait! I'm sorry, Alan, but you leave me no alternative. I think you should read this. Very well. What? You can keep that. I have another copy written. Do you see the address also? If you don't help me, I will send it. You know what the result of that will be. So you are going to help me. It is impossible for you to refuse now. I tried to spare you. You will do me the justice to admit that. You were stern, harsh, offensive. You treat me as no man has ever dared to treat me. No living man, at any rate. I bore it all. Now it is for me to dictate terms. Oh, oh God. Come, don't work yourself into this fever. The thing has to be done. Face it and do it. I... I cannot do it. You have no choice. Is there a fire in the room upstairs? Yes, there is a gas fire with asbestos. I shall have to go home and get some things from the laboratory. No, Alan, you must not leave the house. Write out on a sheet of notepaper what you want, and my servant will take a cab and bring the things back to you. Fine. You've saved my life, Alan. <laughs> Good heavens, what a life it is. You have gone from corruption to corruption, and now you have accumulated in crime. In doing what I'm going to do, what you force me to do, it is not your life of that I am thinking. Ah, oh, Alan. I wish you had a thousandth part of the pity for me that I have for you. Fine. How long will it take? Around five hours, I think, once the materials arrive. Excellent. Then I shall still make it to Lady Narborough's party. Good God. Right then. I'll call my servant to gather your supplies, then I shall take you upstairs. But I do not think I can follow you in. It is nothing to me. I don't require you.
so dark. Is that for the best? Dare I look? Dare I witness what fresh horrors are etched upon your face? My face? No, sir. Can you even contort and degrade any further? It's been so long, but now, after battles, what will you show me? One raise of this candle, and we shall see. Oh, my. No. No. Will not mock me. I will not stand for this. Yes, chime all you like, good sir, but the night is still young for myself. In fact... Excuse me, sir. Go. Good evening, sir. Yes, good evening. I need you to take me to this address. Let's see here. By the docks? Yes. That's too far for me. Here is a sovereign for you. You'll have another if you drive fast. You best climb in then, sir. You'll be there in an hour. Make sure I am. Somewhere about here, sir, ain't it? Long last. Yes. You'll excuse me, sir. I don't come down these parts much. <laughs> and uh, I shan't be staying, that's for sure. Here, take the rest. Thank you. Though, do be careful around here. They don't get many gentlemen such as yourself visiting. I dare say you'll stand out. I'll be fine. I'll be off with you. Very well, sir. Good night.
We're looking very proud tonight, sir. God, sir, don't talk to me. What do you want? Money? Hmm? Here it is. Don't ever talk to me again. Just give me a pipe and be done with it. Oh, I meant no harm in it, Prince Charming. Gosh, you old hack, don't call me that. What? Prince Charming is what you like to be called, innit? <laughs> well, if you cannot keep your mouth shut and serve me a pipe, then I'll simply go to the other den. There goes the devil's bargain. Shut your mouth! And tell your man to open the door. Let Prince Charming out, George. He's wasting our time tonight anyway. What? Rain. I can't be far, surely. Someone behind me. Give me a pipe, I'll have a clear head. Keep quiet. Don't turn around. If you do, I'll shoot you. What? You're mad. What have I done to you? Is this a robbery? You wrecked the life of Sybil Vane. My sister. She killed herself. I know it. Her death is at your door. I swore I would kill you in return. For years I have sought you. I had no clue, no trace. The two people who could have described you were dead. I knew nothing of you but the pet name she used to call you. I heard it tonight, just now. Make your peace with God, for tonight you were going to die. I never knew her. I have never heard of her. You would better confess your sin. For as sure as I am James Vane, you are going to die. No, no I, I... Please! Down on your knees! <laughs> I give you one minute to make your peace. No more! I go on board tonight for India, and I must do my job first. One minute. That's all. Wait, stop! How long is it since your sister died? Quick, quick, tell me. Fifteen years. Why do you ask me? What do years matter? Fifteen years. Allow me to face you. Set me under the lamp and look at my face. What? Just do it. Look at my face. Look at it. <laughs> under the light. You see? Hmm? Fifteen years since, you said. I'm but a lad of t t twenty summers. How could I possibly have known your sister? I... The name. You match your descriptions. You'd better go home and put that pistol away, or, or you may get into trouble. But you've been on the brink of committing a terrible crime, my man. The landlady. After you left, she said it had been at least ten years since she first darkened her doorstep. No. The old bat is mistaken. 
Now give me the pistol. Yes, it is you. Your pretty face has aged well, it seems, that is all. And now, you will die. No, man, give that to me. Get off. Give me. Give me it. No! Dorian Gray. Hello, Harry. It's been a while, hasn't it? Where are your servants? Otherwise preoccupied. Their numbers slowly dwindle at the same pace as my fortune. Come in, Dorian, come in. Thank you. Come, let us have our coffee in the music room. You must play Chopin to me. The man with whom my wife ran away played Chopin exquisitely. Poor Victoria. I was very fond of her. The house is rather lonely without her. Of course, married life is merely a habit, a bad habit. But then one regrets the loss of even one's worst habits. Perhaps one regrets them the most. They are such an essential part of one's personality. I'm tired, Harry. Hmm, is that so? Your face tells me otherwise. Tied in my heart. I've done too many dreadful things in my life. I'm not going to do any more. I began my good actions yesterday. Oh, yes. Where were you yesterday? In the country, Harry. I was staying at a little inn by myself. Anybody can be good out in the country. There are no temptations there. That is the reason why people who live out of town are so absolutely uncivilized. A civilization is not by any means an easy thing to attain to. There are only two ways by which man can reach it. One is by being cultured, the other by being corrupt. Country people have no opportunity of being either, so they stagnate. Culture and corruption. I've known something of both. It seems terrible to me now that they should ever be found together. For I have a new ideal, Harry. I'm going to alter. I think I have altered.
seems to be in tune. I should hope so. Now please, Dorian, it has been so long since you last played for me. So, you have not yet told me what your good action was, or did you say you had done more than one? I can tell you, Harry. It is not a story I could tell to anyone else. I spared somebody. It sounds vain, but you understand what I mean. She was quite beautiful, and wonderfully like Sybil Vane. I think it was that which first attracted me to her. You remember Sybil, don't you? How long ago that seems. <laughs> well, Hetty was not... One of our own class, of course. She was simply a girl in a village. But I really loved her. I'm quite sure that I loved her. All during this wonderful May that we have been having, I used to run down and see her two or three times a week. Yesterday, she met me in a little orchard. The apple blossoms kept tumbling down on her hair. She was laughing. <laughs> we would have gone away together this morning at dawn. Suddenly, I determined to leave her, as flower-like as I had found her. I should think the novelty of the emotion must have given you a thrill of real pleasure, Dorian. But I can finish your idyll for you. You gave her good advice and broke her heart. That was the beginning of your supposed reformation. Hetty's heart is not broken. Of course she cried and all that, but there is no disgrace upon her. She can live like Perdita in her garden of mint and marigold. My dear Dorian, you have the most curiously boyish moods. Do you think this girl will ever really be content now with one of her own rank? I suppose she will be married someday to a rough carter or a grinning plowman. Well, the fact of having met you and loved you will teach her to despise her husband and she will be wretched. From a moral point of view, I cannot say that I think much of your great renunciation. Even as a beginning, it is poor. Besides, how do you know that Hetty isn't floating at the present moment in some starlit mill pond with lovely water lilies round her like Ophelia? Harry, I can't bear this. You mock at everything and then suggest the most serious tragedies. I'm sorry I told you now. I don't care what you say to me. I know I was right in acting as I did. Don't let us talk about it anymore. And don't try to persuade me that the first good action I have done for years, the first little bit of self-sacrifice I have ever known, is really a sort of sin. I want to be better. I, I'm going to be better. Tell me something about yourself. What is going on in town? I've not been to the club for weeks. The people are still discussing poor Basil's disappearance. I should have thought they'd got tired of that by this time. My dear boy, they have only been talking about it for six weeks, and the British public are really not equal to the mental strain of having more than one topic every three months. They have been very fortunate lately, however. They have had my own divorce case and Alan Campbell's suicide. Now they have got the mysterious disappearance of an artist. Scotland Yard still insists that the man in the grey Ulster who left for Paris by the midnight train on the 9th of November was poor Basil. And the French police declare that Basil never arrived in Paris at all. I suppose in about a fortnight we should be told that he has been seen in San Francisco. It is an odd thing, but everyone who disappears is said to be seen at San Francisco. It must be a delightful city and possess all of the attractions of the next world. What do you think has happened to Basil?
I have not the slightest idea. If Basil chooses to hide himself, it is no business of mine. If he is dead, I don't want to think about him. Death is the only thing that ever terrifies me. I hate it. Oh? And why's that? Because one can survive everything nowadays except that. Death and vulgarity are the only two facts in the 19th century that one cannot explain away. Harry, did it ever occur to you that Basil was murdered? Oh, some of the papers think so. As for me, I remember that Basil was very popular. Why should he have been murdered? He was not clever enough to have enemies. Basil was really rather dull, in fact. He only interested me once, and that was when he told me, all those years ago, that he had a wild adoration for you. What, what would you say, Harry, if I told you that I had murdered Basil? I would say, my dear fellow, that you are posing for a character that doesn't suit you. All crime is vulgar, just as all vulgarity is crime. It is not in you, Dorian, to commit a murder. I'm sure you agree. Harry. I wish I could believe that he had come to such a really romantic end, as you suggest, but I can't. I dare say he fell into the Seine off an omnibus and that the conductor hushed up the scandal. Yes, yes, I should fancy that was his end. I see him lying now on his back under those dull green waters with the heavy barges floating over him and long weeds catching in his hair. Do you know, I don't think he would have done much more good work. During the last ten years, his painting had gone off very much. Yes, his painting had quite gone off. It seemed to me to have lost something. It had lost an ideal. When you and he ceased to be great friends, he ceased to be a great artist. By the way, what has become of that wonderful portrait he did of you? I don't think I have ever seen it since he finished it. I never really liked it. I'm sorry I sat for it. The memory of the thing is hateful to me. Why do you talk of it? I asked you because I thought you might be able to give me an answer, that is all. Very well. Uh, play me something else, Dorian. And as you play, tell me, in a low voice, how you have kept your youth. You must have some secret. I am only 18 years older than you are, and I am wrinkled and worn and yellow. You are really wonderful, Dorian. You have never looked more charming than you do tonight. You remind me of the day I saw you first. You were rather cheeky, very shy, and absolutely extraordinary. You have changed, of course, but not in appearance. I wish you would tell me your secret. To get back my youth, I would do anything in the world except take up exercise, get up early, or be respectable. Youth! <laughs> there is nothing like it. Don't stop, Dorian. I want music tonight. It seems to me that you are the young Apollo and that I am Marsyas listening to you. I have sorrows, Dorian, of my own that even you know nothing of. The tragedy of old age is not that one is old, but that one is young. I'm amazed sometimes at my own sincerity. Oh, Dorian, what an exquisite life you have had. You have drunk deeply of everything. You have crushed the grapes against your palate. Nothing has been hidden from you. And it has all been to you no more than the sound of music. It has not marred you. You are still the same. I'm not the same, Harry. Yes, you are the same. Flawless, in fact. You need not shake your head. You know you are. I wish I could change places with you, Dorian. The world has cried out against us both, but it has always worshipped you. It always will worship you. 
You are the type of what the age is searching for and what it is afraid it has found. I'm so glad that you have never done anything, never carved a statue or painted a picture or produced anything outside of yourself. Life has been your art. You have set yourself to music. Your days are your sonnets. I'm not going to have the same life, Harry. And you must not say these extravagant things to me. You don't know everything about me. I think that if you did, even you would turn from me. Oh. Uh, why have you stopped playing, Dorian? Go back and play. Look at that great honey-coloured moon that hangs in the dusky air. She is waiting for you to charm her. And if you play, she will come closer to the earth. You won't? Uh, let us go to the club, then. It has been a charming evening, and we must end it charmingly. There is someone at White's who wants immensely to know you, young Lord Poole, Bournemouth's eldest son. He has already copied your neckties and has begged me to introduce him to you. He is quite delightful and rather reminds me of you. No, Harry, it is already late. In fact, I wish for an early night. <sighs> Good night, Harry. Do stay. You have never played so well as tonight. There was something in your touch that was wonderful. It had more expression than I had ever heard from it before. It's because I'm going to be good. I'm a little changed already. And yes, the moon is quite lovely. I think I shall walk home. It is such a lovely night. You cannot change to me, Dorian. You and I will always be friends. Yes. I think that is so, Harry. Good night. I've spared Hetty. I've resisted Harry. I've been good. Surely that thing will not be so horrible as it had been. Perhaps if my life becomes pure, truly pure, I will be able to expel every sign of evil passion from the face. Perhaps the signs of evil have already gone away. Yes, I'm sure of it. One action can counteract another. My whole life, what what must I do? No, it's you, the vile thing bearing the burden of my days, leaving me with this 
mask of beauty, of youth. If I will have a good and pure life, you will not remind me of what has transgressed of my sins. I will be good, I will be clean. I will be forgiven. If you deem it so or not. No. This poker shall end you. And when you no. are dead, no. I shall Stop. be free. No. 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 No, you see, it was the most uncanny thing. <sighs> there was a cry heard and a crash. The cry was so horrible in its agony that the frightened servants woke and crept out of their rooms. They sent for me. Evidently, Dorian has made them quite terrified to even consider entering the attic. <sighs> so half an hour later, myself and one of the staff entered the room. I knocked, and naturally there was no reply. Eventually, the doorman was able to force his way into the room. When we entered, we saw upon the wall Basil's most splendid portrait of Dorian Gray, in all the wonder of his exquisite youth and beauty. Lying on the floor, however, was a dead man in evening dress with the deepest gash across his heart. He was withered, wrinkled, and loathsome of visage. A ghastly thing to look upon. It was not until I examined the rings on his fingers that I recognized who it was. You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Dorian Gray was played by Jake Benson. Lord Henry Wooden was played by David Alt. James Vane was played by Andy Cresswell. Alan Campbell was played by Mark Nixon. The Landlady was played by Erica Sanderson. The Driver was played by Dean J. Smith. And The Sex Worker was played by Nico Vitesse. The story was written by Oscar Wilde and adapted by Mark Nixon. The original score was composed and performed by Nico Vitesse. The production was by Mark Nixon. Copyright held by Shadows at the Door Publishing. Join us next week for The Discussion of Dorian Gray. It was not until I examined the rings on his fingers that I recognized who it was. It was Mark Nixon. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. 
That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now, providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.